and we are live with another edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Bavona, joined alongside once again by Andrew Johnson and Andrew. Oh man, do we have a lot to talk about this week when it comes down to college football. College football had their conference championship week happen just this past week. Some of the normal things happened that we kind of expected to happen going into the week went down, but there was a big shakeup in the top 25, and especially in the top five, that led to a very interesting Sunday regarding the college football playoff playoff reveal, and it left a lot of people with a lot to talk about, a lot of controversy surrounding the top four in its final inception of this current format before it goes to 12 teams next year, and now a team that missed the postseason this year for the playoff has a lot to gripe with, and they are not having themselves a good uh, start to this week. So I agree with him, but I also disagree with him at the same time. Does that make sense? Do you know what I'm trying to say here? I know exactly what you're getting at. So I agree that the best teams made the playoffs, but the way it happened is kind of unfortunate. Right. And we'll, but- we'll get into what exactly went down because it's a lot to unfold and how it happened, considering that this is the first time that we've seen a, a situation like this happen. This is unprecedented territory. Um, right. And this is a big reason why they're moving the format th- next season to 12 teams because of a scenario like this. They don't want this to ever happen again. But unfortunately, in the last year of this four-team playoff format, that's exactly what happened. Now, we kind of joked about this earlier, but you mentioned it going to be uh, the 12-team format. A year from now, there's going to be arguments online saying, oh my God, I can't believe three lost Kentucky got snubbed from the the college football playoffs and that's yeah. verbatim what you said and i said oh i can't believe 10 and 2 syracuse didn't get picked i'm like there's going to be moronic arguments like this uh, see i get the whole thing you get snubbed at five completely valid i would even say i would have cu- kept this at six and had like a play-in game if that makes sense yeah i would have had like a, a five six play in and like kind of like you know give the number one overall seat a bye maybe have a playing game and have two phase five or six, and then the three and four play against each other, kind of something like that. Because I, I think that there's always one or two teams every year that get screwed, and you know that's about it. But what, let, let's not go into that. Let's just go into the recaps, and I'll, I'll give that over to you. You, yeah, there was a. I will say we did have a lot of great games this past weekend, and if not for the controversy that surrounded what happened on Sunday. I think we had a really good final week of the regular season, if you want to call it the regular season, for college football. And it started off on Friday with that Pac-12 championship game in Allegiant Stadium between Oregon and Washington. Now, if you remember, when we went into this game last week, we talked about how Oregon was a double-digit favor going into this one in a rematch of their epic classic they had earlier this year in November, in which Washington won by a field goal. And we... Even said on the pod, we thought that it was kind of a disrespect to this Washington team that's been undefeated on the season going into this game against a team that they've already beaten to be a 10-point underdog going into it. And you got to give Washington credit. They came out strong in this one, led 10 nothing at the end of the first quarter. Uh, Oregon would make it a game. They actually would go into the fourth quarter with the lead at 24-20. to But Washington got a big fourth quarter. Michael Penix Jr., and Dylan Johnson were able to hold on and give Washington a crucial 34-31 win. They will go to 13-0 on the season in the final Pac-12 championship game in its inception. So 
Pac-12 is ending, but they did go out with a nice bang, a really good epic game between these two teams. The Ducks fall for the second time this year. Both of their losses coming to this Washington team. And Washington gets a huge win going in to that Sunday in which they were waiting to see where they would be ranked in the college football top four. You know who I'd love to talk to right about now? I would love to talk to Bill Walton on on this final Pac-12 championship game. And we're going to have it with basketball later this season, so I'm sure it hasn't fully hit him yet because obviously he's a UCLA basketball guy uh, for life. But and I know he's going to move on to the other conference and move on to the Big Ten. But he called this the conference of champions for probably forty plus years. And I wonder what someone that like like to him what the Pac-12 means to him all these years and how he was a staple of his conference and how he kind of sees it's going on its way out now. And it's not going to be like a Big East uh, basketball kind of thing. Like this is really the end. It's not like there's a bunch of teams restructuring. It's not like oh yeah, they're going to keep Stanford and UCLA and. You know, maybe they keep Arizona State and they just take some teams a week of conference like the Big East did. This is it. This is the final ride for them. And it's kind of sad to see like that, but I'll uh, go into the game now and say it was disrespectful to Washington, but I see why they did it. Can you – okay, besides the win over Oregon or both the wins over Oregon, I don't think they had a single convincing win going back in October and November. For the last eight weeks, they were one-score games. At any given point in any of those games, if they had, you know, missed a pass or they didn't get a long run or they turned the ball over, we wouldn't be talking about them right now. Right. So that's why I think the disrespect from Washington came in because uh, the Vegas pretty much said, hey, listen, like you haven't shown it to us all year long. Every No matter if you played up, you played down, whether it was USC, Colorado, Oregon State, Washington State, Arizona, they didn't bring this. They didn't bring that energy. So I see why they were uh, an underdog. But Oregon just played a horrific schedule, and when they played the only team worth worth a damn on their schedule, they got waxed. So I, I I see going both ways right now. But congrats on Oregon on their perfect season and the winner of the final oh, Pac-12 Washington, championship. I know. I know. What I'm, you're I'm sorry, at. Washington. Excuse yeah. me. Um. Yeah. It's it's. I understood like why Oregon might have been a favorite. I didn't understand why it was a double-digit favorite, which is why I was kind I of like... I could have seen Washington plus three and a half. That would have been fine. But right. Almost like, 10 points is unacceptable. Exactly. Like, for a team that's undefeated, that, that, that's where, like, I was I was very confused about it. But it's what you said. Washington, in the last couple of weeks of the season, really just didn't have any convinced... Like, it wasn't that they weren't convincing. It was more of the fact that every single one of their wins were of one possession wins. And they were not able to, you know, get a big time, you know, convincing win on the season. And it really showed that this team, despite them not being convincing wins wise, they were able to still pull it out at the end of the day. And they they know how to keep winning games when they matter the most. You saw it in that Apple Cup against Washington State. It looks like they were going to lose that game. They were able to persevere and hold on to win. And in this game, too, Oregon was making a comeback, took the lead going into the fourth quarter, but Washington had a big fourth quarter to hold on for that three-point win. And now they go on to an undefeated regular season. And as I mentioned, they were awaiting the results on Sunday, and we'll tell you where they're currently ranked in the CFP a little bit later on. This is going to sound crazy on my Washington take, but we'll talk about it a little bit. Um, I do think the best four teams made it, but I'm going to put an asterisk on that. But let's just go on to the next game. There's certainly an asterisk on the entire week, and we'll explain why. I kind of a dark I, I, I think I think most of the I think most of the country at this rate already knows why. But 
We'll go into the Saturday slate now, as that game took place on Friday night. On Saturday, we started off with some of the other conference championship games, and one of them being the Big 12 championship, as Texas took on Oklahoma State. And realistically, we kind of the outcome we saw happening in this one, Texas pretty much dominating this one. Quinn Ewers had 300 passing yards in the first half of this game. Texas went into halftime with a very convincing lead, and they would not render that lead. They were, is it 35 to 14 lead going into the half? Texas wins this one 49 21. Ewers throws for 452 yards and four touchdowns. You even brought about the Undertaker thing where he gave him the offensive player. Come on. Um, I've been calling that since like week 11. You did, you did call that a while ago. And, and now it happened in real life. Texas gets a big time statement win. And they needed a statement win to go into that selection show on Sunday. And especially what what happened later on in the day for the rest of the Power Five, Texas definitely made a big-time statement going into the remaining games. It was absolutely insane. Quinn Ewers looked like the quarterback that was advertised. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, I think for the first 17 or 18 passes of the game, he was flawless or near flawless. I believe so, He finishes so, yeah. the game 35-46, so all well above... 75% of his completion, uh, completion percentage, four touchdowns on a day, and a nasty interception, but for 450 passing yards. Uh, this wasn't absolute, it wasn't even close. Almost 700 yards between the ground game and passing yards, multiple touchdowns. In reality, Texas could have stopped scoring in the very beginning of the second uh, quarter, and they would have they would have won this game. Yeah, It wasn't even a, a competition from the very, very beginning. Long passes for 40, 50 yards, and I will say that Quinn Ewers having, I guess, that Arch Manning situation behind him, I believe motivated him and took his game to another level. I think he might, in my opinion, I know he's a second-round pick right now, but how he can do in the college football playoffs, if he brings this versus Washington, makes the college football, uh, you know, the national title game, and even if he doesn't win but shows off against a uh, Michigan or Alabama defense, I think he could boost his staff to his stock uh the first round, I, I don't really see that being a uh, uh, too far-fetched. Would you agree with me? No, I, I don't think it's too far-fetched. And unfortunately, you already spoiled who's already the college football player. We were going to say that after the result of this game, but it doesn't matter. I think everyone at this rate already knows who's in the playoff and who isn't in the playoff. But you're absolutely right. Um, I think going into the game against Washington, a defense that we all know how the Pac-12 defense goes along with that, and then even in the Big 12, you're expecting a big-time shootout game between those two teams. And there has been rumors that Ewers might go back, say, one more season to work on his development and try to get a higher in the NFL draft going into next season. Because let's face it, next season, he if he plays really, really well, you could make the case he's a first-round quarterback and could be one of the top quarterbacks taken in the NFL draft. This year, obviously, is not going to be the case with so many quarterbacks being taken. Whether you agree if they're good or not, he's going to be – at best, a late first-round pick or uh, second-round pick at this point. So, I think he's slotted at like 50 right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like so... 54, 53, something like that. It would it would take a lot for him. He would have to have a really good pro day and combine to get into the, into the first round, in my opinion. But he's really shown some good development the last couple of weeks because remember, earlier in the season, he was struggling, did have that great game against Alabama, but after that, started to really fal- falter, and it almost cost Texas their chance of winning the Big 12 championship and getting to the college football playoff, so, but he was able to persevere through it. So, you know the crazy thing about this? I think out of this, probably about six quarterbacks, we're going to assume that are going to get drafted right now, six or seven. 
Uh, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix, JJ McCarthy, Bo Nix, Quinn Ewers. Is that uh, fair to say? You'd say Bo's of a core seven that you think will yeah. get drafted. People keep saying JD Daniels. I don't know if he gets. I don't know if he's going to be in the draft this year. Well, if he were to declare, he'd be a top fifteen pick. Is that fair? I don't. I don't know. I'm but, looking at a mock draft right now, and I see Williams. I see Drake May. I see. Daniels is there. They they have him at ten, so I will give you that. That's probably the first time I've seen it, but he has had a magical year. We'll actually talk about him in a, a little bit later on the show. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, out of those seven quarterbacks, five of them has great. They've greatly improved their draft stock, where they might get taken the first end or second rounds. And I would say Caleb Williams and Drake May didn't do anything to help their draft stock, but not really hurt it. But they're still gonna go top five. If that makes any sense, even though I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm starting to believe Jaden Daniels would be a top, I, I think he's better than Drake May at this point. Uh, I think when it comes to prototypical, it might like, be recency bias, but he had. I think when it comes to season. prototypical quarterback wise, May it's is Drake more May. of like he's more of the NFL ready QB. Daniels is yeah, more he, of like a gadget QB that. Not saying he's like that, but he mean that like he can run, he can throw. Yeah, he, I mean he, he got over eleven hundred yards on the ground, ten touchdowns away. Listen, between right. his passing and his, uh, he's the QB of the future. Where Drake May is your traditional, let's call it the Philip Rivers type quarterback. Yeah, I, I guess that's not a, uh, it's not a bad comparison for that, but. I think it's curious. I mean, I, I don't know where if he does go into this draft. I think. That's something to look out for. But in terms of Quinn Ewers, I think the jury's still out for him because I think at this point, you could look at him being a top seven quarterback, but there's a possibility he might be at best, maybe the ninth best quarterback in this upcoming draft. I'm looking at a PFF um, ranking for him, and he's ranked number nine right now for top quarterbacks. Now, some of the the quarterbacks here might not go in the draft. I'm just like saying Shador Sanders is there. He's not going to be in the draft this year. He's probably going to go back to Colorado. But you have Caleb Williams. You have Drake May. You have Bo Nix, Jane Daniels, Michael Penix. Uh, They have Carson Beck on here. I don't know what he does after what happened in the championship game. I don't think he leaves either. Uh, J.G. McCarthy will certainly be there. And then it's Quinn Ewers. So what's so interesting about this, about going back to college, you would assume if the, like if Quinn Ewers is going to be a top two pick or not two top, excuse me, a top uh, second round pick, like a uh, top 64 pick, let's say mm. that's guaranteed in NFL money. That's millions of dollars. Guys are willing to leave that on the, on the table now because they can go back to college and make a couple million dollars just staying in school for a year. A lot less pressure, oh. a, lot more glam, a lot more fame and glory. That's what, that's the whole other dynamic too about these guys can get paid now to come back and play, which is going to com- really change a lot of draft strategies. I'm glad you brought that up because that kind of leads to something that we uh, we know that's happening currently in college football when it comes to the transfer portal. And we'll talk about that later on because that's also had some big breaking news in terms of some big players going into the transfer portal and leading to that NIL money. But going back to now our conference championship week, let's now go into the next game. I don't think you and I really have much to really say about this game between Michigan and Iowa. Uh, Michigan did what they needed to do. They shut out Iowa. Iowa, again, with another horrific offensive performance. I think they had 61 yards or something at the half. So they really just had nothing going for them. Uh, Michigan was able to run the football. Special teams did great for them. Their offense did just enough. The defense played phenomenal. And 
They go undefeated. Third straight Big Ten championship for them. And for the first time since 1997, Johnson, they are ranked number one in the college football world. And that was the last year they won a national championship. So Michigan fans have a lot to look forward to going into this college football playoff. But as you mentioned, they do have a tough matchup coming up in the college football playoff semifinal. Yeah, but I guess let's talk about Iowa. What if what do they go from here now? They are like screwed. if you're an if you, I know they're screwed, but like where do they actually go? Where 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 can you possibly go? I don't know. You, 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 obviously, you, you, need, you need an offensive coordinator. Yeah, obviously, but the, the, I don't think that's going to help them for what's going on the next couple of years. The Big Ten's going to only get any. It's just going to get much better. Like realistically, you're looking at Iowa right now. You put them with what? Maybe the fourth best team in the Big Ten as it's currently formatted. Uh, I would obviously put Michigan, Ohio State, uh, Penn know, State. Are you, are you, are you, I was gonna say, are you also include Oregon, Penn State. They beat the Penn State destroyed them this season. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna say, I, I was trying to think of other teams outside that are coming in, like Oregon, though. Okay, so so let's. I'm saying the current format right now. The current put them as currently have. I the put them as solid number four. Okay, so now you're adding these teams from the Pac-12. You're adding Oregon. You're adding Washington. You're adding USC. UCLA. I would put all I those think teams ahead of six. Iowa. I don't think I'd put UCLA above Iowa. I would put UCLA above Iowa. Really? You yes. tr- you trust Chip Kelly coaching the I Big do. Ten? I do. Uh, we could agree to disagree. I think Iowa's about I would six. Put, so I would put Iowa either at the – so that, if that's the case, we have Iowa now at the seventh or eighth best team in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think seven. I, I would agree with seven. So so it's, it's not good. They're not really going to go anywhere now. The, the, well, you had a fun run. Listen, I mean, when the Big Ten West, there was 10 conference championship games between this inception of the Big Ten. The Big Ten West went 0-10 in every single Big Ten championship. That just that just proves that they, they had no there was no competition from that, that side. And they've had their teams. They've had the Wisconsin teams for a couple of times. Nebraska made it one year. Iowa's obviously made it a couple of years. Iowa... Had a great chance against Michigan State to make the college football playoff. And unfortunately for them, it, it was Michigan State that stole it for them. I mean, listen, it happens sometimes. Uh, Iowa's really not going to go anywhere. We really don't have to talk about this game anymore. But let's talk about the next two games that have really big impacts. Well, they had a big impact in the final team going into the college football playoff because with Texas's win, and we'll talk about the reason why that had a big impact, let's go into first the ACC championship game. Um, you had Florida State taking on Louisville and a game in which Florida State had to turn to a third straight quarterback due to the in, due to uh, Tay Rodemetter's injury. He had a concussion that he suffered against Florida. So Brock Glenn, the third string quarterback for the Seminoles, took the start in this one for Florida State. Let's just face facts. He didn't really do much in this game. You, if you look at stats wise, Florida State really won this game in the trenches with running the football. Their defense played phenomenal. They forced Jack Plummer. To throw a couple bad uh, throws, a key interception late in the fourth quarter, and Florida State wins sixteen to six. They go undefeated on the season, win the ACC championship game, but they are involved in the biggest controversy of the week because I think we should now go into the next game being the reason why uh, there was a lot of controversy surrounding them. And I will say I did not have any faith in this team going into the year, but roll tide. Alabama ends Georgia's 29-game winning streak going back over 732 days. 
to capture their first SEC championship in over two years. And remember, Alabama was the team that last beat Georgia that 29-game win streak ago. So Georgia has been dominant ever since. Obviously, two straight national championships. A win would have given them an opportunity to win their third straight if they had won. But Alabama caused the biggest chaos of the year, probably the biggest win in college football all season with a 27-24 win. You've got to love what Jalen Monroe, the quarterback for Alabama, has given them the last couple of months of the season after that disastrous first month, a really bad game against Texas, got benched in their next game against South Florida. Then he finally got some starting action again, and he's looked like a really good dual-threat quarterback for this Alabama team. Um, It was a tough game for Georgia. A missed field goal was pretty much the difference of this game between the two sides. Alabama was able to run the football efficiently. Carson Beck didn't have a turnover in this game, but there was just a couple of plays in which it looked like the Alabama defense really forced them to have a lot of problems. And Bama was able to hold on for that three-point win. And because of that, they caused a lot of controversy going in to Sunday's reveal for the college football playoff. At the end of the day, Alabama came out swinging. They didn't play scared. And that was the main difference here. Because all these other teams that played against Alabama, they'd have this hot start, whether it be like someone like Ole Miss or Florida or Tennessee. And then they would have a good five minutes. And then the other 55 minutes was all Georgia. Alabama did not uh, take their foot off the gas, and that was the difference here between all these other SEC teams. And they cracked the code on how to beat Georgia, and uh, I guess you have to give Nick Saban a congratulations because I really thought early in the season that he was going to be kind of be cooked. He had really close losses to teams like UCF, and I just almost smelled the end of Alabama because, man, they had so many one-score games which they should have lost, but... Good teams hang on, and that's exactly what happened here and uh, and all season long for them. I think the biggest thing you have to commend Alabama for in this game was that every time Georgia seemed to score, Alabama would answer right back with a score of their they own. They were motivated. And that, they were and, motivated. And they would never let Georgia get back into this game. And that was huge for Alabama because they only trailed going into the second quarter, and that was it. So that was a great job by Nick Saban and his team to defeat his former assistant and Kirby Smart to go to an SEC championship. And now, as we know, into the college football playoff as the final team in. So let's now dive into this uh, final four that we had, because there was obviously a lot to talk about that happened this past Sunday in terms of who the best four teams were. And overall, did the committee get it right when it comes down to it? Some people are saying yes. Some people are still kind of irritated about how it went down, but at the end of the day, we now know the top four teams for this college football playoff. Now, I'd say all of you want to slow roll it or anything, but let's just go into it. Let's go uh, right into it. Michigan, with the Georgia loss, number one team in the country, well-deserved. Yep. Um, out of all these four teams remaining, I would say that uh, it makes the most sense to have Michigan number one. You can disagree if you want to get add think- to that, Nick. I'm assuming you're going to agree with this. I agree with Michigan being number one. The only and I, I didn't like. I'm not gonna say Washington deserved to be number one. I the only reason that I understood them being in the conversation to potentially be one is because of not even because of how like they they've had obviously good wins in the season, but it was more of the location of these games. Because remember the one and four matchup takes place in the Rose Bowl, so that's obviously closer to where Washington plays instead of going to where Washington's going to be playing now in the Sugar Bowl, which is in Louisiana. So that's more of a type of advantage game when it comes to Texas because Texas is the number three team in the country after their win over Oklahoma State. And tallied off with that Alabama win over Georgia, it really improved Texas's odds in that final ranking because 
that made the Texas win over Bama earlier in the season look really good. Yeah, no, that I mean, it's that's what's happened. If if you know if Bama doesn't lose to Texas, no, there's no conversation. I, Bama's in, and you can make the case that I, Georgia I, might be in. You can make the case Georgia might be in, but at the same time, I still think Florida State would probably have been that last team. I think Florida I State know. would. Have been. I feel. I feel like if Bama had, if Georgia, if Bama had never lost to Texas, Texas definitely would not be in right now. No, um, they would not. They, they would not be in right now. I think if that happened, Georgia, I think Georgia might be in all of them. But let's continue. Let's continue. Let's not uh, split hairs. So I'll let you take I'll, number two. Now. I'll, I'll I'll say this for for that argument. If Bama won that game, the ranking would have been it would have been. Michigan uh, probably would have Alabama one, Michigan two, Washington three. I still think Florida State would get there because then there's a different scenario than what happened in this and what happened in real life. Because it you you can't really put a one loss non conference champion in Georgia over undefeated ACC champion of Florida State, no matter what the criteria is and what the scenario is going on for their team. You can't put a non conference champion over a conference champion in that scenario with a one loss record. That's where Florida State would get in, but unfortunately, that's where they got, you know, they got the unfortunate scenario that happened to them this past week because with that Texas win earlier in the year and then Bama beating number one Georgia, Bama got the last ranking in the college football playoffs, so they are number four, and that was the biggest controversy going into it because the after Texas got ranked number three, that's kind of what smelled the doom for this Florida State team because then... Right now, I'm looking after that. It's saying to the committee, up. Oh, you have to put Alabama in after putting Texas number three because that's a great loss for Alabama on the season. And because of that, it's now the first time that we've seen a undefeated Power 5 conference champion not make the college football playoff and instead a one-loss Power 5 conference champion makes it over them. Not even one, two of them actually make it over them. So... I, I'm not a Florida State fan, but it's just that's tough to see because they had a they had to go through all this adversity. They lost the starting quarterback to injury, and unfortunately, that's the reason why they're not in the college football playoff. I mean, you're not you're listen. Everything you said is correct. I'm not going to sit here and and disagree with you and just kind of go into it. But uh, we can let bygones be bygones. I don't think we actually gave the ranking. Did we give the? I know we gave Michigan number one. Do you want so to go? Michigan is number two? one. Washington is number two, uh, Texas is number three, and Alabama is number four. Right, and what what came down to is, uh, I, I, again, I said all these things about um, about about Alabama and how they almost lost all these teams and, you know, all this stuff. Now, I get it. Florida State is undefeated, right? That's great. But what a lot of Florida State fans will tell you, it's like, oh, they beat LSU. Yeah, they beat LSU week one of the season, right? They almost yeah. lost to Boston College. They almost lost to Duke. They almost lost to Pittsburgh. They almost lost to Miami. They almost lost to Florida, and they they limped across the field to beat Louisville. Uh, out of all those teams, I think that Week One LSU was the best team out of all these teams. And I think if they played LSU pretty much any time at, at the end of the season, LSU would have beaten Florida State. So we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now. Uh, I do. I, listen, they should have made the playoffs I, again. I'm I'm a fan of the that six tier system that is like play in game uh, between the five and six to play the uh, number one seat. Number one seed. I think that'd be way better because I don't think we need uh, eight or twelve. 
Like, I know we're getting 12, but I feel like maybe six would even be perfect because you could honestly, do it like where five and six, I mean, to cut you off, but you could do it where five and six play each other. The winner gets to play number four. And then that's the, the, uh, the team that makes the final, the final cut. I, I was going to say, uh, half five and six play each other as in like a playing. Yeah. And then four will play that game. And then one gets a buy out of all of them. That makes sense. Right. I, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and you know, two or three play each other. You know, yeah, makes it easy like that. But you know, it gives four or five. It gives four a rough route. It gives five and six the hardest road. It gives one the easiest route, and two and three the you know the second easiest route. And I think that's how how it should be because I I know it's gonna be fun expanding to twelve teams and all that. But and I'm all for that. I'm all for chaos. I love seeing you know the the underdog winning college football, but. I think after six, like no one's really clamoring, like, oh yeah, number seven should have really made it. Like Ohio State should be here. Like Ohio State should not be in this spot. Georgia knew they were and Georgia was number six and they were pretty much knew they were screwed once they lost. Yeah. It was the argument of obviously the best four teams make it. And Georgia a lot of people in my including myself know that Georgia's probably one of the best four teams in the country. But wanna how the committee got it right, Bill? Go ahead. They had the live reaction to Michigan seeing that they're gonna play Alabama. And it mm. was not happy cheers. They wanted well, Florida State. That's well, how you know they made the right choice here. Well, yeah, it really comes down to this. And remember how the criteria is when it comes down to picking this. And, I'm look, and I'll read you what they look up for the principles for picking these Final Four teams. Conference championships obviously matter. So if you're a non-conference champion, you need a miracle to get in. Your strength of schedule is another big key factor. And for Florida State, that's another thing that really screwed them at the end of the day. Because that LSU win is by far their best win of the season. And then that for Alabama, a team like Alabama, that's like their second or third best win of the year. Because Georgia's obviously their best win of the entire season. Then you look at head-to-head competition. That's what helped Texas. Texas beat them earlier in the year. That helped Texas get in when they beat Alabama. Then you look at the margin of victory when it comes down to some of these wins. And Florida State had a, had a lot of one-score wins that at the end of the season. And... Yes, that was mostly due, in fact, to the fact that Jordan Travis got injured. And that segues into the final criteria in which if there is a relative, you know, a relevant factor such as a key player or coach not playing and it's going to affect the team's performance during the season or in the postseason, then that hurts you at the end of the day. And that's pretty much what hurt Florida State. If Jordan Travis is healthy, I'm of the Very absolute nice. belief they are in the playoff. There is no question about it. They would be number f- number three in my opinion, and Texas would be number four. I would think Alabama would be miss would be missing it at that point. I, I I'm gonna agree with you again and say that uh you know, you are right if Jordan Travis is healthy and he is playing, which does suck. And you know you see him on Twitter saying, "I wish I broke my leg earlier on the season." That's awful to see him say that. It, it sucks. I mean, I, yeah, it's yeah you feel for him. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to see you don't want to see people tweeting that, but that's the absolute. But unfortunately, that's the truth right now. Florida State literally wins their conference championship game. They were ranked number four, keep in mind, going into the week. And they fell a spot in the poll because they had a third-string quarterback playing in the ACC championship game, and there's nothing they could have done about it. I, I, really, I really feel for them, but at, this, at the same time, we this is why we said earlier in the show, it's, it, it's a sucky way to how they picked it, but at the same time, you're putting Florida State in as one of those top four teams, if they play Michigan, they're going to get killed because they have a second or third string quarterback playing. They're going to have no chance to win. I mean, yeah, you saw how they played against Louisville. They would get absolutely destroyed against um, 
any of these teams in the playoffs. There wouldn't right, even that, be a game. That's the problem. I, I think at the, I like there. There's pros and cons. Like obviously, the pro is you you're not going to see Florida State get you know beat down by one of these other four teams or three teams if they were in. You know what I would do though, because if this is kind of insulting, I think they should have made it. Mm. Um, if I'm Florida, I say I'm not playing against Georgia. You know, my yeah. my reward for having an undefeated uh, conference championship season is I get to play Georgia in, as the five seed. I would say, no, thank you. Find another game. I don't care about the money. And I'm going to claim a national championship. And That's exactly I, what I would do. I don't hate the point of them not playing. I would even boycott the game. Because why? Yeah, I would. I would take the loss. Because why should they have to play this game after the NCAA, like, you know, did this to them. This was an absolute travesty what they did to this team. I'm not a Florida State fan, but even then, it's so insulting for them. They're like, oh, sucks that you didn't make the college football playoff. Here's the defending two-time national champions for you in the Orange Bowl. They're going to get killed. Why even play the game? Don't even... Yeah, I would even insulting. Bother. I agree with you. I would take... An, if I'm Mike Norville, if they actually play the game, I'd just take a knee the entire game. Don't even bother calling a play. Yeah, I, listen, I agree with you. You're not gonna, it, I'm not going to disagree with you. It's such like I like I love that we're gonna get these matches for the college football playoff. I just didn't like the way in which it was it went down. That's what I hate about this, and this is why I'm okay with the twelve team format next year because none of this crap is gonna happen next year. You're gonna if a two team of a two loss team or a three loss team doesn't make it, fine because they don't deserve to make it to begin with. But this is a terrible way to end it because you're gonna have an undefeated Power Five conference champion not make the playoff. Because their quarterback's injured, and that's the only reason why they're not making it. It's a terrible, terrible thing that they did. So I think with that being said, let's talk about the uh, let's talk about that transfer portal. And I said something earlier in the day, which you couldn't believe. I fo- I didn't even think I had to mention it to you. Because I didn't know this news. happened. I said Colin McCord out of Ohio State is going to transfer, and you kind of lost your mind for a second because good thing we, I, I spoke to you earlier because if we just said this right now, you wouldn't know what to think now. But now that you've had some time to kind of gather your thoughts, what does this mean now for the Big Ten? This is huge because they was it what mean for Ryan Day? Well, think about what happened this year. Ohio State. Think about the think about this. It's a butterfly effect if you think about this for Ohio State. If Ohio State beats Michigan, Kyle McCord is not transferring. He's staying with this team, and they're in the college football playoff. And they're probably the number one team in the country right now. And because of them losing, not only are they not in the college football playoff, but now he's gone. And they've also lost uh, Julian Fleming, one of their top wide receivers. He was a five-star prospect. And the number three recruit in 2020, he's also transferring. So they've lost a bunch of players for the transfer portal, especially today. And I'm glad you brought that up to me earlier because I would have no idea. But... Keep in mind, Johnson, he wasn't the only starting quarterback today to announce that he's going to be in the transfer portal. And this is another big guy that's going to be in there. And that's how about Dylan Gabriel, the starting quarterback for Oklahoma. He is now going into the transfer portal as well. And there's rumors that Mississippi State, Oregon, and USC are all going to look at him. And we're right so. I mean, USC and Oregon, we already know, they're not going to have their starting quarterbacks going to next season. The Mississippi State, they're obviously looking for some kind of spark considering the season they just had this past year. So what does this mean now for these teams? Oklahoma's kind of lost. I think this is really big news for Ryan Day because, again, coach born on third base, where does he go from here? Who's his backup quarterback? I don't does he know go to the he... transfer portal? So the room, they have looked at, at Washington State quarterback Cam Ward, who was also in the transfer portal. So that is a possibility for them as well. 
but they might have to look at Dylan Gabriel. They might have they might have already gotten a quarterback on the roster that has committed there to already gotten you know to be the quarterback. Um, but yeah, that that was a big shock to me. I did not expect to see that today when I when you told me that because that really shakes up the Big Ten for next season. Because if they can't find a quarterback, then you're looking at this being another chance for Michigan to repeat as Big Ten champions or one of these Pac-12 schools coming into the Big Ten and having an opportunity to win their first year. So, And it's all chaos, and that's the one thing that we do love. And uh, I think with that being said, before we uh, – do you have anything else to say until we move um, Well, before we move on to our next segment here? Well, before we go into the Mushing Hour, I think we should announce the uh, final four Heisman finalists for this year's – Of course, of season. course. And we're doing so. They All four of them really deserved it. We had – Michael Penix Jr., who is leading Washington to a college football playoff appearance. He is one of the finalists. Bo Nix from Oregon. Can't deny what he did for the Ducks this season as well. Uh, obviously, if they won the Pac-12, they'd be in the college football playoff as well. Marvin Harrison Jr. had another monster year. Um, Johnson's hoping that the Patriots take him in the NFL draft. So we'll have to see how that happens. But he is in the Heisman finalist. And Jaden Daniels from LSU. 50 total touchdowns on the year for him. Tigers didn't have the season that they wanted to, but J.A. Daniels had a monster year, and as you mentioned earlier, he's now a top hot, you know, top commodity for this NFL draft if he were to enter this year. So that's something to look forward to. But when it goes down to those four, is there a guy that you think is the clear cut favorite right now to win it all? Jane Daniels, and I hate to say it because you called this. I know, called four this four months the ago. Season. Called this four months ago. So I will say. Uh, the futures bet on that is looking pretty nice, but uh, it is Jaden Daniels. Earlier in the year. <laughs> he was probably, I, I don't know what his odds were at the beginning of the year. Um, uh, give me a second, I, actually, I can actually tell you. I, I mean, I, it, it was insane that Jaden Daniels, you had that. Listen, we said stuff like Bo Nix, Michael Penix. You know, I had Sam Hartman for for a hot minute there for about four or five weeks. It was looking like it was Sam Hartman, but he, he seemed to fall off a, a cliff there. And I, I don't know. It's... Uh, it's Jaden Daniels. I think he would be one of the. I think he's gonna be one of the better QBs this draft too. If he if he plays anything to what he did for LSU this year, he's gonna be special because he's. I think he's one of. I'm trying to think. One of five SEC quarterbacks to have scored 50 total touchdowns in a season, and uh, and all the and I think no. Here's the right side. There have been five previous SEC players that have scored 50 touchdowns of the year, and they've all won the Heisman Trophy. So he's now the sixth person to do this. So I do have the preseason betting odds here. Okay. Uh, plus 400, Caleb Williams. The second was, and it's not the second overall, but there are a bunch of these guys around plus 1,100, was Jaden Dale. So he was plus 1,100 before the season started. It Damn was it. Caleb Williams, and then it was Drake May at 900, then Jaden uh. Daniels, Michael Penix, uh, Jordan Travis, Bo Nix, all in the 1,100 range, and then it was Hartman at 1,300, then a bunch of guys in the 1,600 uh, range. But, yeah, you could have had him at plus 1,100. Thanks for um, giving me a nice reminder on that. <laughs> Hundred dollar bet would have won you four. Uh, would have won you a thousand dollars, or a little bit more than that. Yeah. Listen, I was high on LSU. I thought they were going to make the college football playoff. Obviously, that didn't happen. But Daniel still had an unbelievable season, and it wasn't his fault that they didn't make it. It was the defense's fault to them losing their two games this season. But I would agree with you. I think Jay Daniels is clear cut favorite right now. I think obviously what Penix and Bo Nix did for their respective teams was great. And Marvin Harrison, we know, is going to be a special talent when he goes in the NFL draft this year. But it has to be J.D. Daniels with the way he played. And 
especially considering the fact that it's kind of like what happened with Joe Burrow, a guy that wasn't even projected to be in the draft going into the season, maybe not even a high draft pick like he is right now, to now being a potential top 10 pick in this draft. And you could make the case that not for Caleb Williams or Drake May being in this draft, could be the first overall quarterback taken by a team. So that's a great, remarkable year for Daniels. 50 touchdowns is nothing, you know, something that you have to commend yourself for. And LSU, if they were to keep him next season, they'll have a really good chance to maybe make the college football playoff. And I probably mushed them like I did this season, but I think that's definitely the case for it. But with that being said, let's get into one of the final versions of the mushing out of this season. Uh, I'm batting at 500. You're batting 67.48. And for the listeners at home, that is around 58.5% for Nick. So, uh, great season. Doing uh, God's great, work. Great betting season. Anyone who, uh, listen, for pe- there are people that charge for 53% is profitable. Nick's at 58%. So, that's just an absolute fan. People charge you know, 100 bucks a month for picks like that. And they give you garbage picks. These are true 50-50 picks. So if you were betting with Nick all year long, you'd be up 21 units right now. I want to point out that I went with two gutsy picks with SMU and Alabama. And those definitely paid off at the end of the day. Bama money line was maybe, what, plus 200-something? So I took a big chance because that's how I saw it going. And the SMU pick, I went for nostalgia. And it worked out. Go Mustangs. Good job. Sorry. But with that being said, it is now time for our New Year's Six Bowls and our college football playoff semifinal bowls. And we're going to start off with the Cotton Bowl. We're going to have number nine Mizzou. I was going to say Mizzou, but I guess it's Missouri. Excuse me. You say Mizzou. Versus, I could say Mizzou, but let's keep it classy. Number right. nine Missouri versus number seven Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl. Ohio State, uh, two and a half point favorites. 49 and a half is the slated over under. Uh, they have no call on the court, so give me Missouri. Give me Missouri plus now, the points because they're going to give it to me. Now, I'm glad you brought this up because not only that, I think this is – I probably don't expect Marvin Harrison Jr. to play this game either. He's not. Maserati Marvin is probably going to sit down. I don't think he's going to play this game. So I am going to go with Missouri Moneyline. And think about this for Missouri. This is a team that wasn't ranked to start the season, had some big-time wins. They're in the top 10 at the end of the season college football playoff. And – if they win this game, they might be a top six team. Gotta give a, a great job on Missouri before they added Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC. That's a really good job by this Tigers team, and I'm pulling for them to win this game. So give me the Tigers. Alrighty then. With the second game, we have the Peach Bowl. You get some more SEC action in here and more Big Ten action. Yes, sir. We're gonna have number eleven, Ole Miss, the running Rebels, taking on the Taking on Penn State, number 10 in the country as of that last poll. Penn State, minus 4.5 point favorites. 48.5 is the slated over-under. Give me uh, Penn State. Uh, I'm sorry. Give me Ole Miss, excuse me, plus 4.5 because I'm t- rolling with the SEC here. And Penn State doesn't win the big game. So, give me Ole Miss. Now, do you count this as a big game because it's a, it's a New Year's Six Bowl for them? It is. It's a big game. Yeah, it's a big game. That's fair. This is this is bragging rights for being a top ten team in the country. That's yeah. out, out of the hundreds of college football teams. This is a big game. That's fair. Uh, I'll go Penn State minus four and a half. Um, I, I I agree. They don't really pull it off when it comes to these type of games. But I think when it comes down to it, they got to win something at some point, right? <laughs> I mean, you need Verdue. something going. You're saying the- this this is the DJ's way of saying Verdue. They're due for something because think about what's going to happen next season when they add all these Pac-12 teams. 
they there's possibility that they're not even the third best team in this conference next year. So they got to do something before the new conference uh, realignment happens. Uh, yikes. You're right about that. All right, mm-hmm. Evan. Uh, so let's stop talking about Penn State's impending doom, and, and let's go on to the <laughs> next game, uh, the Orange Bowl. We're going to have number six, Georgia, versus number five, Florida State. Georgia minus 14-point favorites, and 45.5 is the slated over-under. Give me Georgia minus 14. Nothing against Florida State, but they mind, there's going to be zero motivation playing this game. No, I, Give me Georgia minus 14. I know. That's the problem with this game. Georgia's going to be motivated as all hell now after losing that SEC championship game. And Florida this State is their Super Bowl. Is down so. in the dumps after getting you know destroyed by the NCAA and m- missing out because of a starting quarterback injury. Uh, we're gonna have a mush because I'm gonna go with Georgia minus fourteen. Also, I think we're both of the mindset that we want Florida State to win this game because of how badly. They yes, I, I I would agree. Yes. I and I hate this because because I've hated Florida State for such the longest time, but I feel bad for them right now. So I kind of hope they win the game, but Georgia Georgia, in my opinion, is by far the better team. All right, and with that being said, we're going to have one of my favorite bowls, the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, number 23, Liberty, the Flames, taking on the number eight, Oregon Ducks. Oregon, minus 15-point favorites, 64.5 is the slated over-under. Now, I really want to take Liberty Moneyline. Uh, That's ballsy. Yeah, and I, listen, I'm, so they're going to give up. I don't think Liberty is going to win. I want Liberty to win. They are saying so give me next li- play the game. So just give me Liberty mind. plus 15 because this is something that they're playing for and Oregon doesn't really care. I will say this. When it comes to the Fiesta Bowl, that has led to some of the bigger upsets in the in the bowl season. I remember one of the be- the better ones being that Boise State and Oklahoma game. I think that was in 2007 or 2008. They had an unbelievable Fiesta Bowl and that put Boise State on the map at the time. And this is the game that usually puts teams on the map. And I think for Liberty, this is a big step. So because keep in mind, when they add when they go to that 12 team format next season, if the season ended today, Liberty would be in the college football playoff. Because I think one of the things is one of the teams has to be a non power five. I could be completely wrong about that. I don't know what the format's gonna look like for next season, but I think there has to be a one non power five team into the college football playoff next year. So Liberty is going to want to make a statement in this game. And I, unfortunately, Johnson, I think we're going to have our second mush because I also think Liberty will keep this game close. I think they cover, and Oregon will still win no matter what. Back-to-back mushes. Let's go. I think we're going to right. continue because I know, I know where this one, next one's going. Let's talk about the college football playoff semifinals now. First one we have is the Sugar Bowl, number three, Texas versus number two, Washington. Texas, minus four-point favorites, 64.5 points, is the slated over-under. I'm taking Texas minus four. I don't think this Washington team has been that good this year. They've had to fight, you know, tooth and nailed and claw their way to every single victory. They haven't had, at least in the last eight weeks against major competition, they haven't had one game where they can just relax, but they've gotten it done. So with that being said, their time's up. Is Texas back? I think they are. Give me Texas minus four. Here's here's where I'm looking at this too, because it's Pac-12 and Big 12. And you know how I am when it comes to these games. When I see an over, I usually like to pounce on it and take the over. I was going to take the over, but I figured let me I'll give this to you. But do I trust it? Because it is a lot of points. And we saw what happened in last year's semifinal games. Points were going wild. Michigan TCU put on a thriller. 
Georgia and Ohio State put on a thriller. Um, I'm kind of expecting it. So not only, I'm going to take Texas minus four also, but I'm also going to take the over. A rare two-picker for me. I'm going to go Texas minus four and the over for this game. Two picks. Look at you go. And finally, we have a Rose Bowl being played in beautiful, I think, Pasadena, California. Pasadena, California. This is going to be, this game opened up Michigan minus two and a half. But we have number four Alabama versus number one Michigan in the Rose Bowl. But really, I think the winner of this game is going to win the college football playoffs. So this is really, this is to me, this is the real college football championship right here. Is uh, the one versus four seed right here. Michigan one and a half point favorites, 45 and a half is the slated over under. It was Michigan plus two and a half, minus two and a half when it opened, but that line moved towards the tide. And that being said, I'm going to take Alabama plus one and a half here. That's going to be the one under. I'm going to take the underdog here. I don't know if Alabama is going to win, but it's going to be close. I think they're going to lose on maybe like a two point conversion or something like that. It's going to be a close game. I. It's tough because it's either Michigan. I think Texas wins by four. So you're either going to get the rematch of Alabama and Texas and Bama getting a chance of revenge or Michigan finally getting over that hump and finally getting to a national championship game. I think what comes down to me is how these teams have been playing. And I think the problem for Michigan is, have they played a defense like this Alabama defense has been this year? What's the best defense they played? Maybe Iowa's definitely gave them a run for their money. Ohio State, for most part of their game, definitely gave them a run for their money. I just think right now with momentum, I think Alabama's right now cooking with all cylinders. I'm going to go Alabama money line. I think we get a rematch of Alabama and Texas once again. All right, that being said, we're kind of we're picking an Alabama Texas final here. So that being said, congrats on uh, Washington and uh, mm-hmm. Michigan for making the college football championship. Keep in mind, I think that was the 1992 national championship game and Washington that was their last national championship. So there's a chance for that to re- uh, happen again. All right, and before we go, I do have, we, we do have a couple of uh, quick things we'd like to thank the viewership. Our Spotify wrap came out, and we had an 83% increase in viewership over the last year. So we want to thank to all the new listeners, the majority of the audience that joined us over the last year. This is our second year doing the All Gas No Break Sports Show, and we want to thank the listeners for a fun year. We look forward to doing this multiple times a week, every week. And Absolutely. to all the new viewers from 18 different countries, we thank you. Uh, most majority being in U.S. and Canada, about 75%, but 25% from coming overseas. So we do appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. We we always enjoy doing these shows, whether it's football or baseball or basketball. And just, you know, hearing any you know feedback from all of our listeners and viewers, it's just great to, you know, just stuff we love to hear. And you know, hearing those numbers is great, and we're all looking to get even better than that going into the next couple of years. And our second announcement is we're going to be at the Garden State Trading Card Show this weekend. It's going to be in Secaucus, New Jersey, not too far from MetLife Stadium. Saturday, December 9th, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. at La Quinta Inn and Suites, 350 Lightning Way, Secaucus, New Jersey. One of the biggest trading card shows in the tri-state area and New Jersey in general. 125 tables, one room massive listen i've been there nine o'clock in the morning it's shoulder to shoulder so great guys very lots of good deals stop by say hello buy something don't buy something just sit around and talk it's gonna be a great day filled with a lot of great people so we're looking forward to that as well yeah a lot to look forward to in the next couple of weeks not only with that card show obviously the holidays are also coming up and 
we also have all these bowl games, especially to look forward to for this college football season. So a lot to look forward to, not only in the entire war, uh, real life world when it comes down to these card shows, but also look forward to here on the All Gas No Break Sports Show, whereas we dive into the rest of this college football season and looking to see what happens going to next year as a whole for the entirety of the sports world. But I think, Johnson, that is going to do it for our edition of this college football season, regular season. We now look forward to the New Year's Six Bowls as well as the, all of the other bowls and especially the college football playoff. And we're going to have one more episode this week as obviously we will dive in to another week of the National Football League another interesting week in the NFL so we'll dive into that and recap week 13 in the NFL but for Nicholas Favona this is and Andrew Johnson this has been the all gas no break sports show have a great rest of your week